Welcome to the Talking Security Podcast, we will talk about items related to Microsoft security. Hi everyone and welcome at a new episode of the Talking Security Podcast. My name is Frans Arendorp and today I have a very special guest with me. He's working for Microsoft in the Defender for Identity team to secure our on-prem and hybrid identities. Daniel, welcome to the show. Can you have a short intro about yourself? Hey, great for uh, having me in. My name is Daniel and I'm a product manager for Microsoft for the last three years. I come from a security background. I served in the intelligence corps in the Israeli army. And for the last year or so, I'm the product manager in Microsoft Defender for Identity. And uh, I lead the detection and the post-breach aspect of the product. So that's great to hear. Uh, But it was previous, uh, it was another company acquired by Microsoft, I think? Yes, for uh, Microsoft Defender for Identity is a product that uh, was acquired by Microsoft company called uh, Aurato back in 2014. By the end of 2014, they were acquired by uh, Microsoft. Basically, what the product was doing back at the time and today is the ability to protect your on-premise environment, especially when it comes for uh, around identity protection. We realized that identity and Active Directory are crucial parts of our customers' environment. It's an aspect that we should keep on protecting within Microsoft because while there are products that protect the domain controller as an asset because it's a Windows server that that runs the service, there are not many products or security products that protect from the identity perspective, which means the authentication aspect or the anomalies or the reconnaissance that we will talk about in a few minutes. And this is basically our bread and butter, the ability to detect identities within the on-prem and the hybrid infrastructure. So what you're saying, it's a detection in the on-prem environment. Why is it important to protect your on-prem environment? Because we live in the cloud nowadays. Yes, I do agree that the modern workspace environment is leaning towards the cloud more and more, and we see increase in this usage. But we also haven't seen much of a decline with on-prem infrastructures. You can see that from customers who are still using services on the on-prem, and you can see that, which is more interesting for me rather than the customers, but also from the attacker perspective, that they are still aiming towards on-prem infrastructure. If you'll take recent attack like Solarigate, which aim started from the infrastructure, from the on-prem infrastructure, and then bubble up to the cloud. Or if you take a zero logon, which is six months from now, when it was released, uh, the CVE that allows you to get uh, access to the domain controller. We've seen that in the wild. We've seen that basically the ROI for the attacker, uh, you know, the, what they are trying to achieve and what's their cost is uh, we've seen that happening more and more and more. And even in the recent attack and recent campaigns, which are not directly related to identity, we've seen an attack that affected all of the exchange servers. The recent numbers are talking about 60,000 customers were affected by the Afenium attack campaign, which numbers are amazing. And while attackers and while our customers will still run on-premises infrastructure, we will still be there to protect them. And uh, as long as it's a surface for attackers to perform and to get access to the environment, as long as it's, uh, it's alive, Microsoft puts that in, uh, in a priority to keep that. Obviously, we will be there as long as it's needed in order to protect that. 
although we have seen increase and we actually encourage people to use Azure Active Directory and other cloud infrastructure. Yeah, and uh, if we see at on-prem environments, most of our customers have on-prem environments, have on-prem identities. Otherwise, they have synced it within a hybrid environment, so we can use identity protection in the cloud. But still, there is that on-prem application, that on-prem identity, so we need to protect the on-prem environment. Precisely, precisely. Active Directory is a, is a product that is... A a little bit over 20 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And if I'm trying to be a fortune teller just for a second, I think it will last in the next few years as well. And as long as it's relevant for an attackers and for customers, Microsoft will protect it. Yeah, good to hear, good to hear. If you look at the architecture of Defender for Endpoint, it's cloud-based. In the previous few years ago, it was called Azure ATP, and we need to do an on-prem installation of the Azure ATP server. How does the architecture of MDI nowadays look like? So basically, what we offer with Microsoft Defender for Identity, which, as you mentioned, was also known previously by the name of Azure ATP, is the ability to protect your domain controller um, as an asset. And by that, what we do is we have a sensor that is proprietary for Microsoft Defender for Identity that you install on your on-prem infrastructure. And then what this sensor is doing is recording three types of activities, network activity, event IDs, and also ETW, which is our own mechanism of writing Windows events, which are not relied on event IDs in the event viewer or event logger, as we are familiar with. With all those three sources that we use from the device, we also add on top of that some sort of anomalies and machine learning detections. And all of that we are sending to the cloud, which where Microsoft Defender for Identity uses its infrastructure. And with that, what we do is we're creating an either anomalies-based detection, machine learning-based detections, or events-based detections or tools-based detections that you can consume in the cloud. Previously, we had the ability to install all of this infrastructure in what we call closed or air-gapped environments, but we've seen more and more customers are open to for the idea to have this installed in the cloud for their own usage, and we haven't seen much of reasons against doing it in an on-premises environment all up, just to use it as an actual sensor in the domain controller, which is communicating with the cloud. Yeah, and I think there was an update within MDE, so it's now supported on ADFS, uh, Active Directory Federation Services. What is the difference between Active Directory Federation Services and the domain controllers? Yeah, we are trying to expand because, again, Microsoft Defender for Identity puts in front of their eyes the identity aspect and the identity protection. And we understand that some of the authentication activities or the enumeration activities or the credential theft activities might be happening using an ADFS. An ADFS is a component, is an asset that happens on a hybrid environment when you want to access cloud applications or other applications, which is synced with the domain controller. Although we add the visibility in the domain controller for those activities, we were missing the context, what app the user was logged into and what is the source of this uh, communication with the ADFS, which is our next expansion from the domain controller that we had for a few years. We can now have a visibility into more activities and then for the existing activities, we can provide more context. So you're not just logging into something, you're logging into an application. 
and the domain controller now with the ADFS data that we are correlating with each other can provide you a visibility into that as well. Maybe in the future we will expand the MDI sensor for another assets in the environment that are related to the identity, AD Connect or something like that, maybe more in the AAD world, but as of today, or app proxy, but as of today, we are just aiming towards the domain controller the NADFS, as you mentioned. Yeah, and if you look at the ADFS and the domain controller, there are two ways to monitor that asset. One is with the standalone sensor with network monitor mirroring, and the other one is the sensor directly installing on the domain controller. What is recommended? Because I've done some implementations and with the installation of the sensor on the domain controller, at some times it gives a, a huge load. Most of the times it's going well because I think there is a .NET requirement in the past. It was there, but I do not know if it's still there. But what is recommended? Is that the network mirroring or is that the standalone sensor on the domain controller? Yes, we have two types of way that you can implement the product. Is that you install that on the domain controller itself or you install it on a dedicated server, a standalone server, and then you port mirror all, the, all of the activities. It is important to mention that although this doesn't sound trivial, our sensor is tailored for domain controllers with I activities, meaning that if you have I activity for the domain controller, the load of our sensor itself would be minimal and it will eat some of the resources, but it will not impact any of your Active Directory experience at all. And this is something that we are looking, this is one of the most important things that we are committing on. We understand that we are living in an actual environment and we understand that it's important to make it as stable as we can. And this is what we recommend to our customers. This is what most of our customers are implementing as well, because this is what provides you the greater benefits of our product. You'll have to remember that if you install the sensor on a standalone and dedicated server, you'll miss some of the activities that we can provide you if you install it on the domain controller. So I understand that uh, we might uh, in the past cause some spikes, and this is why we also offer the standalone. But I can assure you that looking at the numbers, customers are ditching the standalone more and more because they understand that uh, in order to get the ETW collection and more data points, they need to install it on the domain controller and the uptime is not affected by our sensor. That's also what I'm seeing at our customers. So I can agree with that uh, because when implementing in the past and then we talk about a few years ago, so that's not a year ago, but a few years ago, there was more impact than it's nowadays. So it's less load and you still have to implement it directly on the domain controllers because uh, you have the extra benefits like the ETW files and, and all the other extra stuff that is collected. If you look at ADFS and the domain controllers, is that the same sensor that can be installed or is it a different one? It's the same sensor. Our sensors are uh, smart, I would say. Whenever you install the sensor, it will uh, scan all of the services that are installed on the server. And based on the services that are installed, it will install the relevant type of sensor and uh, data point collection based on, uh, on the asset that it's installed on. So if you download the same installation package, and you can just install it with a GPO or something, and the sensor installation will understand where it's installed on and will install only the relevant services. Yeah, that's great. So we do not have to worry about anything, install the sensor and everything will done by the sensor itself. Yeah, exactly. If we have installed Defender for Endpoint, we have configured the portal, we have installed the sensor, 
then it collects data from the domain controllers from our on-prem identity environment. If there is something happening in the environment, there are five phases within Defender for Endpoint wherein an attack can be classified. What five phases are that? Ah, okay. So uh, basically, as you mentioned, once you install the product on your environment, we have access to various of ways of protecting the environment. We have the post breach, when you actually have something that is going on on the network, which is our alert offering. And we cover five phases of the attack techniques, which are including reconnaissance, compromised credentials, lateral movement, domain dominance, and exfiltration. I, I will explain on each one of them as well. But we also have a pre-breach offering that once you install the sensor on your domain controller, we also offer. This includes the ability to give you security assessments based on your configurations, meaning that if you have a user with high privileges or any attributes that does not match the security standards, we will also provide you this information. And this obviously integrates with the secure score. The other aspect of the pre-breach protection that we are providing is the ability to give you lateral movement paths, which we'll discuss also in this call. Basically, we provide, if we're looking at high-level aspect of what is security, uh, what security is, we understand that there are multiple types of security pillars, I would say. You have the detection aspect, you have the investigation aspect, you have the prevention aspect, and, and the response aspect. For each aspect, with Microsoft Defender for Identity, we got you covered. If it's from the detections, where we're offering you the latest detections that are divided into few categories, detections that are based on CVEs, detections that are based on tools, detections that are based on learning your environment. For the investigation aspect, obviously, the ability to give you all of the information that you need in order to investigate. The prevention aspect, so meaning that you want something not to occur in the second time it happens, or even preventing from the beginning, uh, we talked about the security assessments, for example, and also the response section, which is the latest topic that we are currently working on. As of right now, for the recording of this podcast, the ability to respond just limited to what is available in the Azure AD. So if you configure a policy for a compromised entity, it will apply that. But we're also providing, working on providing response actions on the Active Directory aspect to disable the user, to request the user to change his password, to remove user from a certain group, because it's all nice and games when I give you a report that this user is part of an administrator group and he shouldn't, you just want to finish end-to-end -end with the product, so click on remove this user from the group. So these are the, the security pillars that we are providing, and uh, we can start with the detection, as you mentioned. Was this a good introduction, or do you want to... Deep dive into something specifically. No, no, no. I think this gives a good overview because one of the questions that I had prepared was that Defender for Endpoint, more or less, it's only doing detection and investigation, not doing response. And that is a little bit changing at the moment and in the near future, where you say that actions that we already have in the identity protection in Azure AD, like resetting a password, disabling a user, that sort of stuff, that will also come into Defender for Endpoint. Yes, yes. Uh, we understand the importance of this capability, and we are uh, working very, very hard to provide that as well. And it's not only detecting stuff that is happening, but also misconfiguration, CVEs, missing patches, and all that sort of stuff related to the identity environment. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. 
We've seen our friends and family in other products like Microsoft Defender for Endpoint does the same. And we were jealous and we said, hey, why wouldn't we do that in Microsoft Defender for Identity as well? Why would we do that in a one portal? And this is a spoiler for the rest of our conversation today called M365 Defender. But basically, true, this is something that we wanted to do for a long time. We've seen others doing it successfully and we are doing that as well. I think we have 12 reports now that tell you about misconfigurations or usage of uh, suboptimal settings for your identity infrastructure. I think that's more or less the post-breach environment with the phases that uh, are also stated within the documentation. If we look at one of these, uh, we're starting with reconnaissance, uh, compromised credentials, lateral movements, domain dominance, exfiltration. With exfiltration, you're completely hacked and everything is going out. If you start with reconnaissance, what, what's happening at that phase? In a typical uh, cyber attack uh, scenario, um, an attacker would start with understanding where he is or where he wants to get into, um, which is uh, typically the reconnaissance phase. It's often being referred as a reconnaissance phase or getting to know the network. Basically, what you would like, what you would uh, do is uh, start doing any sort of uh, enumerations or reconnaissance to understand what users are high privileges, low security, what are the valuable assets that you'd like to get into. Some of our detections that we provide around this area are related uh, to LDAP reconnaissance or DNS reconnaissance uh, that uh, uh, we've seen attackers doing when they are trying to map out in the network. But another nice technique or alerts that uh, we've seen uh, more uh, used more and more with tools like Rubius or Mimikatz even is the ability to enumerate user with a certain attribute. For example, if you have users that does not require password in order to log in or doesn't uh, have uh, SPN configured, which is service principal name, or if they have Kerberos authentication enabled or not, based on those attributes that are being configured for a certain user, an attacker potentially can go towards the second phase, which is the compromised credential phase, and actually get access to those users in the network. So the phases are time progressing. You start with mapping out the network. And once you find out what are your targets, you are trying to get access to them. And this is where the compromised credentials come into play. Yeah, that's the second phase, compromised credentials. That's automatically coming after the reconnaissance phase, knowing where you are and then start harvesting credentials. Harvesting credentials can be like a brute force attack or like a VPN connection that can be set up. But if I look specific at the Honey token, you can create Honey accounts within Defender for Endpoint. The Honey accounts and the Honey tokens that are specific for that phase. They are, it's not limited to that phase because Honey token traditionally, it's either an asset like a computer or device that once an attacker touches it, it will trigger an alert. It can be happening on the reconnaissance phase because an attacker shouldn't do reconnaissance. It can happen on the domain dominance part or the exfiltration part when you actually want to get something out of the ANI tokens. But those days where there is a device in the network that his name is ANI token123 and attackers would fell for it are long, long gone. And ANI tokens are being more and more complicated for the attacker to fingerprint. And the way we implement any tokens is by actually creating accounts that shouldn't be used. And those accounts that are shouldn't be used obviously can be part of groups and hack and can act like an actual account in the network. But the way that we 
want to detect those is when you are trying to access them and we are trying to tell their credentials, when you are trying to understand what are the benefits of getting those accounts into. So every attempt to touch those AniToken accounts will create an alert, which has to be an interactive action and not just reconnaissance because we want to minimize our false positive to minimum. But those accounts shouldn't be accessed by any legitimate use. And when you're trying to do elevation of the credentials, it's basically game over for the attacker. Yeah, and then game over for the attacker. But in other case, if they are stealing credentials and have within this phase, have a credential compromised, then it can be the next step. And the next step is lateral movement. You already mentioned it. Within the lateral movement phase, what's happening there? Basically, once you have a credentials, often in attack scenarios, you won't be landing at uh, the crown jewels of the company. You'd often start with a device that is exposed to the outside world, but uh, it does not contain your attack target. An attack target can be something that you want to exfiltrate, or an attack target can be something that you would like to leak out to the internet, or something that you want to sabotage. But obviously, organizations are smart. They don't put their most important assets or the crown jewels within places that are easy to get into. And this is where the lateral movement path begins. You understand what is your target, and for most attack scenarios, the active directory is the target you would like to get access to, but not necessarily. Sometimes it will be critical infrastructure, depends on the type of the organization, the type of the organization that the company is performing. And this is where lateral movement come into play. Basically, with attack techniques like using the same ticket or the same ash or the same certificate to get from one computer to another, basically marching towards your target. This is where we will catch that. And one example for that would be the pass the ticket attack, which is very simple on paper technique, but we've seen this usage quite a lot. Basically, what you do is you take the ticket from one device and use it to log in to another device with using these stolen tickets. There are obviously more complicated attack techniques, like you can craft your own ticket by yourself or doing something like that. But even these simple attack techniques is being used more and more even by complicated attackers or uh, APTs, advanced persistent, uh, no, sorry. Uh, advanced persistent threat? Yes, yes, yes. Azure ATP, APT, I always get confused because three digits acronyms. And we've seen that more and more. And this is what we detect is we, because we are sitting on the Active Directory and we have visibility into all of the authentication, we can match the authentication and see if this is an abnormal authentication or not, whether this ticket or this certificate should be used on this device or not, based on the data that we always collect on users and devices. Yeah, and if we have, for example, accessed as a hacker a system, get the ticket and move to another system, if I, on that other system, there can be a session open, whatever, and then we can move forward to the admin account, the global admin account, and so on. And then we are coming into the dominance phase. Could you explain what happens in that phase? What attacks do we see in that area? Basically, in the domain dominance part or phase, which is often also being referred as persistent, what the attacker would try to do is to take over the asset that he's trying to get into. In our case, it's the domain controller. He wants to have easy in and out access from the domain controller. He wants to have a domain admin so that he can do whatever he wants. 
and he wants to manipulate the network in such way that even if you patch the specific way that you got into the domain controller in the first place, he will still have the backdoor inside. And with that, we've seen different of uh, attack techniques. For example, you can take a user and then you add it to a sensitive group. You can install the service on the device remotely in order to get access to the device, like uh, installing a scheduled task that will run the service, the attacker service, in order to get into the device in future users. All of the golden ticket that you can think of if you're trying to create a golden ticket using ticket anomaly or time anomaly or trying to change the encryption of the ticket in order to get dominance into the network and do whatever you want, basically, for future usage. This is usually, again, the parts where if, and it's not a secret, if the domain controller is compromised and you have the persistence there, it's, I don't want to say game over, but it is uh, very late in the phase that you need to understand uh, how to mitigate it. Absolutely. And if we get domain dominance and uh, the data can be exfiltrated and we can do several stuff, not what we want that hackers do. If we look at the exfiltration phase, then all the authentication stuff is somewhere behind us. We have access, but also SMB traffic and that sort of stuff is detected within Defendify Identity. Is that correct? Yes. Although this is not our main aspect of expertise, which is the exfiltration part, we understand that since we are on the domain controller, and we are also an agent, we have visibility into the network communication that the domain controller is performing, we can find out aspects of exfiltration that might happening on the device, mainly around data exfiltration over SMB or DNS communication to, let's say, a command and control. And again, we understand that there are products that, uh, like MCAS who can do that, or MDE, that they can do that on the, or that's more there of their security offering. We understand that this is something that we can also cover as well from our side. But yes, you, you are correct. The, most of our areas are around up until that point, uh, at the domain dominance, when you do a replication of the domain controller so you can use it for later usage. But why not? Why not provide expectation uh, data if we have it as well? Yeah, and if a customer is heading into that exfiltration phase, then you probably find some information in the newspapers and so on and so on. So that's not the phase where you want to be. Yeah. I think we get a good overview of the phases and how Defender for Endpoint is detecting that sort of stuff. So thank you for that. Last part is the integration of M365 Defender. And how does Defender for Endpoint integrate with Defender for Endpoint and the HDR strategy of Microsoft? That's a great question. Basically, if I'm trying to put Microsoft Defender for Identity in three phases, I would start with Microsoft Defender for Identity start from pure on-prem. Then the second phase, we moved into Microsoft Defender for Identity in the cloud. Microsoft Defender for Identity have its own portal. And the third phase, which we are now, which is the most exciting phase because it's open a lot of possibilities, is the XDR phase. Microsoft Defender for Identity is a detection product. The best detection product where it comes to identity is part of the bigger product, which is Microsoft 365 Defender which Microsoft 365 Defender, as probably all of the listeners are, are familiar with, but I will explain it in 30 seconds, is the ability to put in one umbrella three 
a few Microsoft security products, which are including Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, Microsoft Defender for Office, Microsoft Cloud App Security, MCAS, and Microsoft Defender for Identity. And for those three products, you can provide unique values that are goes end by end for those experiences or for security aspects. For example, you can have one incident. An incident is another feature that Microsoft 365 Defender is doing, is the ability to aggregate alerts from different products into one big incident based on correlation logics that Microsoft are working on. And the ability to provide you the full pictures of what's happening whenever you have an attack in your network. Because we understand that the security analyst or the organization are not looking from a product perspective. They are looking from an attacker perspective. And if you're taking a look from an attacker perspective, you want to understand what's happening end-to-end. And the end-to-end is cross-product. And this is where Microsoft 365 Defender comes into play by giving you one incident that can tell you the full picture. It gives you one automatic investigation. So whenever an alert is being triggered, you can automatically investigate it within Microsoft 365 Defender, but you're also providing one advanced hunting capability that you can create your and define your own logic. So if you want to do investigations and over data that comes from MDE and correlate it with data that is coming from MDI, and then try to find the matching activity that happens on the cloud application security aspect. So basically, we understand that this is the future of Microsoft Defender for Identity. We will keep on creating detections for M365 with maybe signals that are starting from MDE. So basically, think about the most simple thing that we can offer. Right now, we have a detection that is based on reconnaissance. But since Microsoft Defender for Identity traditionally is all is just on the Active Directory, we don't have visibility even for the name of the process that does that. But Microsoft Defender for Endpoint with Microsoft Defender for Identity can match those two activities together and give you the full context of what was the tool that performed such of reconnaissance. And then you can actually mitigate it. So basically, we are moving all of our experiences that we provide, the good experiences that we provided in Microsoft Defender for Identity into M365 Defender, including the alert experience, the security assessment experience, the onboarding experience, and more, and the advanced hunting and the activities experiences into M365 Defender, like the rest of the Microsoft security products. Yeah, it's good to hear that it's not only Defender for Identity, it's a complete full stack of products where you can protect your environment. It's not only the on-prem identity, it's also your Azure AD, your cloud identity, but also the endpoint, also your cloud applications, and it all comes together within the XDR strategy of Microsoft. Good to hear that is the way forward because with that, we can compete to other vendors and we are building a safer solution for our customers, in my opinion. So thank you for that, Daniel. At last, is there one message that you have to give to our listeners? Yeah, thank you for having me. If I have uh, one message that I would like to provide to the audience is security is important and on-premise security is often or sometimes tend to be neglected because, oh, we are modern, but look around you, look at attack techniques or attack vectors or attackers that are happening around us. And you will often see that those are being used on a fairly regular basis and keep on uh, protecting those as well. 
as much as you do with your cloud infrastructure. So Daniel, thanks for being here on the show and thanks for that last message. I think you give a good overview of what the Defender for Identity is and how its customers can help uh, to secure their on-prem active directory and of course, how it's integrated in other M365 Defender solutions. So thank you for that. And of course, I will thank you for listening to this episode. Until the next time, bye-bye.